Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He called us to discipleship, to servanthood, to serve the lost and broken, to evangelism, to see the world know his name. We are called to pray. We are called to worship. We are called to love as Jesus loved and to live as he lived, to be righteous, to be set apart. These things are essential. This is Essential Church. Great video. Pastor Tyler did that video. Isn't that excellent? Well done. Give him a hand for that. Amen. We got such creative people in our church. It's just a power and a privilege to, uh, to be part of this church family. Well, we, uh, we have been on our series on Essential Church. We just started it last week. I, I'm not going to repeat what I said last week. I can't. Uh, if you did not watch last week or were not present, I encourage you to go online and to uh, get a hold of that because uh, it's kind of a wake-up shocker uh, sermon last week, and we're all here now awake, so uh, I'm not going to repeat that this week. But, uh, you know, uh, essential church, you know, it's really, to me, it's about w- the righteous living righteously. What does that mean? How do I live this life of Christianity? And this is the journey that we're going to take for the next few months. And so uh, you might as well just settle in because what we want to do is build kind of a platform and a thought as we go forward. And we're going to be talking about how do we live with God? How do we live with one another in this world? doesn't matter what's happening in the world. uh, With Christ and with the kingdom of God, we can live victoriously and powerfully. And so we want to talk through how that happens. For us to start today, I wanted to talk about uh, what is the life that God intended us to live. What was the intention of God for humanity? And we need to understand that. For, for some of you, this is going to be a bit of a review, but hang in there because I'm going to land it somewhere. So get, don't be impatient with me. Uh, what went wrong? If God intended this incredible life and what, what he intends for the disciple, the follower of God, what he intends really for the world, what went wrong? And then how is it fixed? That's what we're going to set up today, and uh, we're going to talk about that, and uh, I think there's some truth in it, nuggets for everybody here. So let's pray together and hear from the word of the Lord. Father God, we love you, we thank you, we praise you, we honor you, Lord. We need you, God. We are desperate for you. And Lord, you are more than willing and wanting to pour out your spirit in and on us and through us, Lord. I pray that the word of the Lord will be sharp and active today, powerful, anointed. Holy Spirit, give us eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts to receive, to respond to you. God, you have a word for us. Let us be free in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, first and foremost, what is the life that God intended for us? What's God's intentions for mankind? We know the story. I'm just going to be kind of going through a little bit of the foundational story in the book of uh, Genesis. And uh, at the beginning, you know, we find out that God is a creator. He's above all created things. Amen? 
He's beyond all created things. He's greater than those things, but he's a creator. And every time he creates, he says it is good. So he creates the world, it is good. He creates fish, it's good. He creates all these things, it's good, it's good, it's good. And then he creates mankind and he says, it is very good. It is very good. And so we see this this separation of mankind from all the rest of creation. I want you to understand that you are in the presence of people who bear the image of God. And you are awesome, and you are incredible. You are chosen by God. You're created by God into his image. You have thought. You have capacity for reason. You have morality. There's things that separate mankind from everything else. Do you understand that when you watch cartoons and they humanize the plants and humanize the rocks and humanize the fish, they're not really human. You're the only human humans. Are you with me? So understand that you are God's special creation with this incredible identity created in the image of God. And it doesn't stop there because you are the image bearers of God. God wants you to represent him in this world, which is really the second reason God created mankind. We are designed with incredible purpose. So we have this incredible identity Now we're designed with incredible purpose, and here's the incredible purpose. You are designed to represent God in this world. The Bible says to be fruitful, to multiply, to fill the earth, to subdue it, and to have dominion over it, to use its vast resources for the glory of God and for the good of mankind. Did you catch that? You are to increase, you are to grow. Understand that at the beginning in the Garden of Eden, God started them in this little plot of land. He said, my intention is that this garden of goodness, this garden of, of beauty, this garden of delight will expand and grow over all the earth. And this is your purpose, church. Your purpose is to bring this kingdom to bear upon the kingdoms of this world. We're designed with this incredible purpose to use the vast resources of God for the good of mankind. And we're designed for incredible relationships. And so, hallelujah, that relationship first and foremost starts with God. We understand that when God created mankind, the Bible says he created, he spoke into existence, he spoke into existence. But when he created mankind, the Bible says he formed mankind with his hands out of the dust of the ground. And then he formed mankind, and then he breathed his life into mankind's nostrils. So our first thought, our first awareness, when we woke up, boom, all of a sudden we had, we had identity, we had purpose, and we're like, wow, where am I here? Whoa, who are you? God. Hey, welcome to the planet, Adam. Woo! This is going to be fun. This is going to be awesome. And so this is what happens. We're created for this incredible relationship with God, church. And so we're seeing God, we're walking with God, but then God says something before sin happened, before the fall of mankind, before anything went wrong, God looked at man and he said, it is not good. It's not good. (laughs) What's not good? It's not good for man to be alone. Especially man, we need women. Hallelujah. Amen. And the ladies all said? Yeah, hallelujah. So understand, I mean, we could go into a whole teaching on this. The fullness of God's identity is seen in both man and women. Hello. And uh, we need each other. But even outside of, of those relationships of, of man and woman, do you understand that we need each other, whether it's male, male, female, female, it doesn't matter. You need other people. You are created for relationship. 
And so this is what God is trying to say. So here we are. We're created, we're created not to be alone. God said it's not good for us to be alone. And, and we're walking in the garden with God. The Bible says that mankind was naked, which is not just talking about physically naked, but he's talking about emotionally naked, socially naked. You're vulnerable. You're okay. Everything's great. Do you understand there's this incredible peace, incredible purpose, incredible relationships, and we're walking, and this is going on, and I'm telling you, it's awesome. It's incredible. We're fully alive. We're fully free, but we're not alone. We're not alone because we're with one another, but we're also not alone in the story because someone else was there. You see, someone else that leads people away from the good intentions that God has for them. The Bible says this in Genesis 3, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals that the Lord God had made. And we know when you read the book of Genesis, in two places we know that that serpent is talking about Satan. Talking about the angel of God that was once with God that decided to go on his own. He said, I don't need you, God. I'm going to try this on my own. And he fell from God's grace and he fell to earth. And now he's here and his purpose and intention, listen to me, is to cause the the purposes of God to be derailed in your life. That's it. That's why he exists. His, His doom is upon him. He's awaiting the Lord's judgment that's coming one day. But understand, his intention is to take you with him. So what went wrong? Here's this incredible purpose, incredible uh, identity, incredible uh, relationships. What went wrong? Mankind was given one commandment by God. Here it is. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat it, you will certainly die. Now, understand something, guys. (laughs) Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Just imagine. If you only had one law to live by for your whole life. One. (laughs) Do anything else you want to do. But this one thing you don't do. This is one thing you don't want to do. And so, you know, it's like that kid, I've told you this before, you know, you build a fence, like, or you're like a good parent, you build a fence around a yard, and you put all kinds of toys, all kinds of things in the yard, and you know, there's always the kids that are having fun and playing, but there's always that kid that goes to the fence and says, what's on the other side? I just need to get on the other side. Something's being kept from me. No, 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 protection. God is saying, I built this fence, I built this around you with one commandment. My goodness, do whatever else you want, but this one thing, because if you do this one thing, it'll kill you. You say, well, that's kind of crazy. Why would a good parent put that tree in the midst of our grasp? Well, understand something, guys. We're created for relationship and we're created for freedom. And if we don't have the freedom to choose God, then we're not really free. If you, if you, you can, you have to have a choice. Intimacy has to do with choice, church. If I see you and say you see me and together we want to have a relationship, that's what God is saying. I don't want robots. I want those that by their free will, by their free, you know, the commission of their will, that they will say, I want to have a relationship with God. I long for that. And so we have this choice and the enemy sees that choice and he hears the command And look what he does. The first thing he does is he calls God's word into question. Can it really be that God has said you shall not eat from any tree in the garden? 
And the woman said to the servant, we may eat from the fruit from the trees in the garden, except the fruit from the tree which is in the middle of the garden. God said, you shall not eat from it nor touch it, otherwise you will die. Now, why am, I, why am I building this platform? Why am, I, why am I telling you all this stuff? I want you to understand what I'm going to share with you today applies in your life today. Though this happened some 3,500 years ago, though this happened thousands of years ago, I want you to understand the truths that you're going to learn today still apply. And so here's the devil. He's testing to see if Eve knows the truth of the Word of God. Now, understand something. Immediately, we, we get from the text that she distorts the truth. <laughs> did you catch that? She added something to the truth that God did not command. She said, God did say that we shouldn't eat or touch the fruit. God never said anything about touching the fruit. He just said, don't eat it. So we know that immediately she adds this truth, which causes major problems. Now, why am I telling you this? Um, church, please listen to me very carefully. You're in a season and a time where there is so, such chaos and such disorder going on. You need to know the word of God. Because there is going to come temptations, mark my word. There is going to come at this time in life, in this world. Do you understand that there are people that their whole design and desire is to capture other people and make them slaves of themselves? Do you get that? There are even teachers that claim to be teaching the Word of God that are going to try to put people into bondage today to say, well, you know, we're at the spout where the glory comes out. You need to be with us. You know, if you're not with us, you're really not in the truth. Don't listen to them. You have the Holy Spirit of God within you. You have the book of the Bible. And God says, I'm going to give you the truth and you'll know. You'll know in your knower when something's off. And, and understand that. <laughs> Understand, this is what's going to happen in these last days. Great deception. We know that. The Word warns us that false prophets will rise up. If we've learned anything, and I, please understand what I'm about to say. Prophecy must be in subjection, subjection to the Word of God. If we've learned anything through this last election in the United States, prophecy must be in subjection to the Word of God. Amen? Okay, okay. <laughs> so he calls God's word into character, or into question, and then the second thing he does is he calls God's character into question. I didn't put this on the screen, but listen to it. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to Eve, to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So listen to the essence of temptation, church. The devil comes in and he tests us to see if we know the word of God. Do you understand that the word test in the Hebrew is the exact same word for temptation? It's the exact same word. There's no difference. He's testing you. He's probing. He's seeing if you know the truth. He's seeing if you know the truth. And when you, you distort the truth or twist the truth, he moves in to then begin to cause you to question the goodness of God and the character of God. And I, I can't prove this, because, but I believe it's true. I do. I believe at that moment that the serpent, because he wasn't a serpent at that point, we don't know what kind of being he was, a shiny being, that's all we know, reached out and touched that fruit and said, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, you will be like him. Can you see that unfolding in history? Can you see that moment where everything should begin to question like, oh, he didn't die. 
because she misrepresented the word of God. And so we don't know, but I, I believe when we get to heaven, you're going to say, Pastor Greg was right all along. Where is he? i got to tell him. That was good. You got that one sermon right. <laughs> and if I didn't, you won't care. It's okay. Amen? But he get, calls God's word into question. He calls God's character into question. Listen to me, church. Don't you get that sometimes you and I look at people's lives and they are touching forbidden fruit and nothing's happening to them? Have you ever looked at somebody and says, well, why isn't he dying? He's living in sin. Why does everything seem to be going good for him? Oh, let's understand that death is not talking about physical death first. It's emotional death. It's separation from God death. It's, 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 it's the social death. Do you understand? There's a whole bunch of death that can happen before physical death happens. And so we need to grasp this church. You can look at other people and say, well, they're not dying. Oh, hang in there. It's not going to end well. And so here's our story. Here's our story. Genesis 3 now. So Eve has got this temptation, this test. Does she know the word? Does she trust in the goodness and the character of God? And then look what happens next, Genesis 3. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and she ate it. Now, I didn't read the rest of that verse, but it says, Adam, who was with her there, so the whole time Adam's there, the rat, the whole time. Like seriously, he's like, I'm going to watch, and if she eats it and doesn't die, mm, I'm, I may eat some then. If she dies, mm, God, take another rib, start again. You know, like I mean, it's bad. It's bad, right church? But understand the Hebrew word there, the Hebrew word for saw is the word that means advised self. This is the essence of sin. The Bible, or the Latin language has a, a phrase called encurvitis en se, which means curved in on self. And so what happens in this moment is Eve decides to take her advice over God's advice. Are you with me? So she, she turns in and she says she sees this, and it's interesting because she sees a few things that I want you to understand that what she sees what I'm going to describe to you now is common in every temptation every human being has ever faced ever in their life is seen in this passage. And so I'm going to just flesh it out a little bit. And if you want to underline something in your text, 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 to 17 tells us about this temptation that is common to all men. Here's what it says. Do not love the world's ways. Do not love the world's goods. Love of the world squeezes out love for the Father. Practically everything that goes on in the world, wanting your own way, wanting your, everything for yourself, wanting to appear important, has nothing to do with the Father. It just isolates you from Him. The world and all its wanting, wanting, wanting is on the way out. But whoever does what God wants is set for eternity. So now let's look at what Eve went through, okay? She looks at the food. She sees it. She advises herself. She hasn't sinned yet. But she's listening to the devil. And she's advising herself. She's saying, well, God may be wrong. So it says, this is what she looks at. It's good for food. What is that? That's wanting your own way. Your Bible may put it this way. The lust of the flesh. She looks at it. This is yummy. I'm forbidden this. It's so yummy. It's pleasing to the eye. 
which our Bible called the wanting everything for yourself. Your Bible may say the lust of the eye. So we got the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye. And this temptation is coming at her. So it's internal, it's external, and it's desirable for gaining wisdom, which is wanting to appear important, which your Bible calls the pride of life. These are the three temptations that are common to all men, always, every day, all the time. This is what happens. It's one of these three things. Guys, listen to me. Advertising plays on these three things. Do you understand? If I ever leave ministry, I'm going into advertising because I could manipulate so many people with this truth. Do you, do you, I'm, not, I'm saying that tongue-in-cheek. I'm not leaving ministry. But are you following what I'm saying? <laughs> are you following what I'm saying? Like, guys, everything in this world peer, appeals to one of these three things. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life appearing important. I'm not going to be vulnerable. I'm going to have it all together. When you look at me, you're not going to see me. I'm covered. I'm hidden. I'm behind masks. You are following what I'm saying. I remember one time not long ago, just several years ago, and I've shared this in the past, where they had Lotto 649, and all they had on this Lotto 649 was a pair of eyes. They were huge eyes, and they were looking at a number, and that number was whatever the Lotto 649 was that week. And so that's all, you drive down, you know, Grote Road, and you're like, whoa, there's this huge pair of eyes looking at you, looking at this number, and what is it appealing to? The lust of the eyes. Imagine if you had that money, how satisfied you'd be. It's a lie. <laughs> okay, are you following what I'm saying? One of these three things, this test, this temptation, you need to grasp it. Hallelujah. And uh, uh, Doug, <laughs> Doug Demers, who loves puns, said to me, Pastor Greg, the first sin was the first act of treason. Treason. Anyway, ba-ba-bum, you can ask for free. <laughs> it's, <laughs> I know, I didn't, it was Doug Demers, you know, <laughs> treason, there you go. Wanting your own way, inner drive for satisfaction, wanting everything for yourself, if I just had that, I'd be happy. No, you wouldn't. Wanting to appear important, no. And so we see this over and again, temptation is not sin, temptation is not sin, but the minute you take that thing and you eat it, you've sinned. Let's just understand that. So how do we get out of this? What do we need to do? How do I get free from this, Pastor Greg? Do you know God gives us a way? Isn't that great? Oh, listen to what he says. He says this in 2 Corinthians 10.5. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets up itself against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. The picture that's supposed to be there is like the, the Romans had these long spears. And they could spear something and put it down at their feet. Do you understand? They were like 10-foot spears. And, and, and this is what they're saying. Take that thing, stab it, and put it down at your feet. Cast it down below you. And this is what God is saying. You have power through Christ and through his word. You have power to take captive thoughts that come at you from this world, internal desires and drives. You have power to overcome those things through the power of the word of God. So listen to me, young men, young women, whatever. Uh, you may say, well, I, I really want to look at that pornography. And, 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 and you're like, I have a real desire. I, you, you know, you understand that. I have a real push, and what, what could be wrong? What's God keeping from me? That's a lie. The Bible says, I will set no evil thing before my eye. Therefore, you stab that thing and you put it down. Now, you still may feel that temptation, but the Bible says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. 
You know, you may have been hurt by somebody, somebody may have done something, you know, because our image has been damaged, and they, they're image bearers of God, but they've done some things wrong, and they've hurt you, and this voice is telling you, don't forgive them, don't forgive them. They're not really sorry. Who cares if they're sorry? The Bible doesn't say anything. If they're sorry, forgive them. No, it says forgive them, as God has forgiven you. <laughs> forgive them. Why? Because you could take that thing captive and put it down. And I'm going to tell you, if somebody's done something to you, forgive them. And if it keeps coming back on you, pray for them. The Bible says bless them, pray for them, pray for those who despitefully use you. Why? So that you're free. <laughs> Whatever they choose to do, they can choose to do. But you have power. You have power to take that thing captive. I could go on and on. You understand what I'm saying? God has given us power over these things. But what happened to mankind after Eve ate the fruit? Everything became a huge mess. We know this. <laughs> the image became marred. They become disjointed and discombobulated and distant and disconnected. Listen to me, church. We're in a world with 7 billion people. And we've never been more alone. They're just like us. Everybody you see is just like you. But the identity has been marred. The identity has been broken. And so this is the, the result of sin. We're twisted. We're distorted. But listen, our, our purpose has also been distorted. It's also been twisted. Remember, we're supposed to have dominion. We're supposed to see the, the life of the kingdom grow, to exercise, to become beautiful for the good of mankind and for the glory of God. But you're supposed to have dominion. The Bible says you're supposed to have dominion over yourself for the sake of others. You're supposed to live as a disciple and say, I'm going to harness these appetites. I'm not going to listen to the world. I'm going to listen to God. I'm going to control my life so that I can be a greater servant to the world. But what happened? Our whole world said, I'm going to control you so you serve me. Isn't that the result of war and so many sins and so many broken families? You serve me, not I take control of my life to serve you. So understand, our purpose has been twisted. And of course, our relationships have been broken, church. We covered up. We hid from one another. We hid from God. We Fear entered into the equation for the first time in mankind's existence. What a mess. So what happened? What did we do? So here's, here where we are. You're one of two camps. You ready for this? Well, one of three camps. First camp is this, forget God, who cares what God says, I'm just going to keep doing my own thing. That is called selfishness. And what happens when you are selfish? You know, it's like sowing seed. When you're selfish, you become more selfish. When you're more selfish, you become more selfish. When you become more selfish, you become more, more, more selfish. That's how it works. And, and so we understand our world is selfish and self-centered beyond measure right now. How many of you know it's not going to work to keep giving people $2,000 a month CERB payments? It's not going to work. You know, my wife and I have a good RCMP friend, and he said, you don't know how many drug dealers I have busted with their hands full of CERB checks that have been signed over to them. That's sin. <laughs> That's how it works. And so we can't keep self at the center. So here's what we do. We say, okay, well, that doesn't work. I'm not going to be self-centered. I'm going to be self-righteous. 
I'm going to try my greatest. I'm going to give it all my effort. I'm going to live a religious life, and I'm going to please God. Look at me, God. I'm trying. Me, 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 God. How many of you know self-righteousness and selfishness have the same root, self? They don't work. <laughs> and so the Apostle Paul is kind of in that moment of life. And he's this guy, he's, you know, the Bible calls him the Jew of Jews, and he's this Pharisee, and he's perfect in, in the way he's pursuing God, he thinks anyway, and he, then he says this, 21 times he uses the personal pronoun in seven verses of scripture in Romans chapter 7. The things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I end up doing. Oh, who will rescue me from this body of death? He goes on, 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 and on. Me, 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 incurvitis and say, I can't live this religious life. The Jews had the greatest rule-keeping system of all. They couldn't live it. They couldn't do it. They weren't intended to do it. But thanks be to God, in Romans chapter 7, Paul comes to his senses and he ends Romans 7 with this phrase, thanks be to God who delivers me through Christ Jesus our Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, you go on and read Romans 8, the masterpiece of the New Testament. There is now, therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the Spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. And it goes on and on and on and on, and it talks about this incredible, wondrous Jesus. Colossians 1 tells us the story of how we get back to God. Rescued, it says Colossians 1, God rescued us from the dead and alleys and the dark dungeons. He set us up in the kingdom of the son he loves so much. The son who got us out of the pit we were in and got rid of the sins we were doomed to keep repeating. Somehow, church, Jesus is the solution. <laughs> I'm not the solution. You're not the solution. The world's not the solution. Why do you think everything in this world is shaking right now? Everything's shaking. Why? There is only one solution. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything else will be added to you. This is where we're at in the church today. I'm going to tell you something. You know, you come to Jesus and you re rediscover true identity. You come to Jesus and you rediscover incredible purpose. You come to Jesus and he restores the relationships that have been broken with yourself and with others and with God. So I'm going to make a statement here. The most important thing you're going to hear today is this. Jesus is essential church. That's both a noun and a verb. <laughs> Jesus is essential church, but Jesus is essential church. He's it. Everything is found in him, flowing from him, toward him, from him, to you, to me, to this world. We need to build on this relationship with Jesus Christ. You got a problem? Jesus is the answer. You, you need a solution? Jesus is the answer. It's all about him. Let me just read to you the rest of Colossians. I'm going to read a portion of Colossians 1. I'm not going to bring this up on the screen. What I want you to do is just close your eyes. If you want to follow along in your Bible, you can. This is from the Message Bible, Colossians chapter 1. Just let this soak into your spirit of how majestic and awesome this Jesus really is. We look at the sun and we see the God who cannot be seen. We look at the sun and we see God's original purpose in everything created. 
for everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible, rank after rank after rank of angels. Everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. He was there before any of it came into existence, and he holds it all together right up to this moment. And when it comes to the church, he organizes and holds it together like a head does of the body. He was supreme in the beginning and leading the resurrection parade. He is supreme in the end. From beginning to end, he is there, towering far above everything, everyone. So spacious is he, so expansive that everything of God finds its proper place in him without crowding. Not only that, but all the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe, people and things, atoms and animals, get properly fixed and fit together in vibrant harmonies, all because of his death, his blood that was poured down from a cross. Jumping to verse 26. This mystery has been kept in the dark for a long time, but now it's out in the open. God wanted everyone, not just Jews, to know the rich and glorious secret inside and out, regardless of their background, regardless of their religious standing. The mystery in a nutshell is just this. Christ is in you, and therefore you can share in God's glory. It's that simple. This is the substance of our message. Christ in me. Christ in you. Church, this is why the foundation, the starting point of discipleship is that you invite Jesus Christ into your life. You cannot do it on your own. This is why the Bible calls it being born again. When I invite Jesus Christ into me, literally he comes and lives in me by the power of his Holy Spirit, and I become a new creation empowered by the Spirit of God. Wow. See, when Christ comes into you, church, listen to me, he brings the power of the Holy Spirit with him. When Christ is in you, he brings the confidence of his sonship with him. When Christ is in you, he brings the payment for your sins with him and makes you right with God. When Christ is in you, he brings the gifts of the Spirit to operate in you. When Christ is in you, he brings the power of his resurrection to take the dead parts of your life and my life and make them alive and more like him again. When Christ is in us, he gives us joy and he gives us peace and he gives us wholeness and he gives us holiness. Everything Everything, everything, everything starts with him, finishes with him, and he's everything in begin, in, in the whole alphabet, amen? He's the A to Z, the beginning and the end, and every letter in between, you have Jesus. This is what you need to see your identity restored, to see your purpose renewed, to see your relationships rebuilt. It only comes as you come to Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. So what's the conclusion of this message? Jesus. And we're going to talk about for the next several weeks, how do I get closer to Jesus? How do I make the center of my life Jesus? How do I look to Jesus? How do I keep looking to Jesus? In our church, we use the acronym CARE, and care, that first letter, celebrate Jesus Christ in every area of your life. It's talking about your vision. What are you looking at? What are you looking at? What are you looking at? Fix your eyes on Jesus. But I'll talk about that next week. Let's just close with a prayer. We have this incredible calling, church. <laughs> we are image bearers 
We have unimaginable purpose in this world. And we have incredible relationships. But those things have been marred. The image has been marred and distorted. The purpose has become misguided. And the relationships have been broken. But Jesus has come to live in us. Now, I want you to understand something. I heard an analogy from a pastor, and I thought it was a good one. You know, what this text says and what Paul says is he says, Christ in you. Christ in, not Christ and you, but Christ in you. Do you know religion says Christ and you? Religion says Christ has done his part, now you need to do yours. Now, I'm not saying that we don't do anything, but what I'm saying is it changes the way what we do. We think it's like a tag team wrestling match. You ever, ever watch that back in the old day where there used to be tag team wrestlers? And if you're old enough, you'll understand what I mean. And, and the guy would be wrestling and he'd be getting, he'd be, you know, uh, like Andrew the Giant would pin him and he'd be getting smashed and smashed around the ring and everybody's like cheering. And the guy, the other wrestling guy, he's reaching to try and touch the hand of the person. You ever seen that? And they're like, touch my hand. I can come into the fight now. And we, we're like that wrestler. We're like, I've tried my best. I can't do this life. And we're like, Jesus, touch my hand and tap me me tap me lord so you can come in and fight for me that's not what this picture is that's jesus and what jesus in is saying there is something in you that is so powerful so incredible you are a new creation and you can overcome this world and you can overcome the sin and you can overcome every part sickness and disease you can overcome it all but we need to learn how to live with christ in us amen and that's what we're going to be talking about. So, Pastor, if you're here today, if you're here today and you're saying, Pastor Greg, I want to live with Christ in me. I want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And if you're a follower of God, I raise my hand and say, God, help me to live not Christ and, but Christ in. If that's you, raise your hand with me. Lord, I need a, I need a Christ in moment, every moment, because Christ and ain't working. I'm getting beat up by Andre the Giant, Lord. And tagging you is not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about finding a new strength in me because you're in me, Lord. And if you're not a believer here today, if you've never asked Jesus Christ to be in your life, if you have never asked him to be your Lord and your Savior, this is what this is talking about. You cannot do this religious life without Jesus in you. This is the invitation. When you say, come and live in me, Christ, he comes in by the power of his Holy Spirit and lives in you and helps you to live this life. Amen? So every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're online, if you need to pray this prayer, everybody needs to pray this prayer. I prayed this prayer some 30-some years ago, and I've been on the journey with Jesus ever since. If you're here today and you've never asked Jesus to come into your life, or if you're saying, I need to rededicate, recommit my life to Jesus Christ, that is you, I want you to raise your hand right now and say, Pastor, would you pray with me? Pray with me to receive Jesus, because I can't do the Jesus and religion. I need to do the Jesus in me religion. Amen? If that's you online and you've raised your hand in your heart, I want you to pray a prayer with me, and we're all going to join you here in the auditorium. If you've ever prayed that prayer before, I want you to pray it right now again. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die for my sins I invite him to forgive my sins and come and live in me that I might have a Christ in relationship with you 
in Jesus' name. Amen? Let's give everybody a hand that made that prayer. Can I tell you something, church? Do you know that we've had people that have given their hearts to the Lord online? We've had people watching online that have never been in this church. We've never met them. They've made decisions for Jesus Christ. They've let us know they're watching from different parts of, of, the, of, the, of the city or different parts of the country or different parts of the world. God is moving by his spirit in this last hour. And you're part of it, amen? So God is so good. I'm going to be talking next week about how, how do I find faith and put my faith in Jesus and why is that so essential and how do I do that, amen? Let me pray for you as you go. God bless this church family, God. Cause your face to shine upon them, Father God. Cause your grace to abound to them. Lord, when they open their eyes, may they see you standing there saying, hey, how are you doing? Welcome to the planet. Welcome to life. God, I bless this house. I pray for joy and strength and peace and victory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord one more hand clap. Come back next week. I'm excited to see what I'm going to preach too. So we'll, let's have some fun together. Amen.